Welcome back to Flex Your Head, another special episode of Screen Therapy. On Flex Your Head, we take a breather from punk rock and mental health and explore classic punk albums, which I guess is good for mental health. This episode, I'm joined once again by Nelson from Nelson. How's it going, Nelson? Really good. Happy to be back. So what album are we talking about today? We are talking about Corrosion of Conformity's 1985 classic, Animosity. So Animosity is the second studio album by Corrosion Conformity, a.k.a. COC. They're from Raleigh, North Carolina. Like you said, the album was released in 1985, October 25th to be exact. And it was on Death Records, which is a crossover hardcore offshoot of Metal Blade. The album features Mike Dean on bass and vocals, Woody Weatherman on guitar, and Reed Mullen, R.I.P., on drums and vocals. So Nelson, what are your opening thoughts on Animosity? A fantastic and classic, I guess I want to say crossover album, because their first album was very hardcore punk, and then they were kind of uh, leading the movement to crossover, so lots of metal elements coming into their playing, much like their cohorts, uh, DRI, Dirty Rotten Embassies, and... Nostalgia-wise, it takes me back to when I was just a little skate punk (laughs) doing tricks on my friend's little quarter pipe. And yeah, having this on cassette, always trying to scrounge batteries from our parents for the (laughs) ghetto blaster. Dragging out the boombox. Yeah. I remember my friend and I used to play tennis to this, (laughs) believe it or not. (laughs) Not to ruin my street cred, I was definitely skateboarding as well. But I remember finally having this in the tennis court with DRI and Dead Kennedys and the accused and just cranking that up to uh, play a match. <laughs> nice. Totally agree with you about the metal aspect. I mean, crossover obviously was a cross between metal and hardcore and punk. This band very much had the riffs and, you know, I'm hearing some Black Sabbath for sure in the riffs. And I've got a quote about that a bit later. Also a lot of Black Flag. I mean, the solos on this album are just completely unhinged (laughs) they recorded the side one and side two separately you can't really tell Uh, side one is recorded in los angeles with bill matoyer who did stuff with slayer and dri in the 80s and then side two was recorded in rally at hummingbird sound there's a bit more high-end treble on the second side i think but you know you would never guess i never knew until i looked this up that it was two separate sessions did not know that (laughs) there you go this is what we're here for to inform each other about coc yeah the songs are very much similar in some ways we've got 10 songs 26 minutes long but i feel like it's one of those albums where you come out of the gates and it just keeps rolling there's no real pause there's no interludes at all and I, i love that about it it's very consistent in its themes and its playing there's no real sort of slow ballad (laughs) song thrown in there it's all pretty relentless thrashy great for skateboarding music 
starts out with loss for words, which is about four minutes. Kind of a weird way to start the album. It's longer. Does lead you into some of the faster songs. Mad World is the second song. Holier is another song that's about two minutes long. They're a bit of a jam band. Not, I mean, that, there's horrible connotations around the term jam band, but they do feel like they, you know, would kind of jam in the studio or the jam space and maybe trying to work their way into the faster stuff. Whereas the first album, Eye for an Eye, was a lot of like quick blasts of punk rock. Uh, definitely a shift here with this second album. Yeah, I know there was a few years, like their first album was, they've been together for, I think, at least five years or something. So it was sort of a compilation with their first singer as well. And then uh, definitely a dramatic shift onto animosity. You know, no longer the two-minute hardcore songs, longer thrash opuses. bands that sort of solidified personally that it was okay to like metal and punk rock there was never really that separation for me it's definitely the gateway from thrash metal to hardcore punk Mm -hmm. a band like exodus or slayer anthrax to bands like the accused and even minor threat that they're really hardcore you know stripped down hardcore stuff this was Definitely one of the five or six bands that introduced me to punk rock. And not that they're necessarily a straight punk rock band, they're not. I remember getting the skate rock compilations from Thrasher, and this band was on volume three. Yeah. And that was just like a life changer when I heard them. Let's go ahead and talk about it. I mean, Mike Dean's vocals are just <laughs> completely unhinged. Yeah. yeah. Lots of yelling. And effects, too. I don't know how they recorded that, but it sounds like maybe... They've put some really heavy reverb on him, and there's lots of dual tracking. I know Reed Mullen, the drummer, sang a lot on this album as well. But yeah, it's one of those unholy kind of vocal styles that you know your parents would never understand it, that's for sure. Yeah, production-wise, definitely more on the rock side of things. It doesn't have that hardcore punk snare pop. It's a very sort of rock-sounding album. There's... Uh, <laughs> There's a scream on Kiss of Death at 55 seconds. And I think it's got to be one of the best screams of all time in crossover (laughs) hardcore. (laughs) Yeah. I'd like to meet this guy. He's, He's a odd guy you know he's got an odd look to him he's got an odd personality to him in the videos that i've seen that voice i mean i know later on it wasn't as extreme but i don't know what uh people were saying in the studio when he came up with that one it's pretty awesome yeah it definitely sort of set the template for them as a band moving on to later albums as well one thing i noticed is at the beginning of intervention there's a breathing sound, almost like a gas mask or something. Did you notice that? I listened to the, the, the intro of that one a couple times and I was like, is he breathing? Is he barfing? What's going on there? 
could be either, I guess. And lyrically, very 1985 yeah. metal punk lyricism. Like that song, Intervention, I think is sort of about Reaganism, Iran-Contra affair. Lots of anti-war. Kiss of Death is anti-cop. <laughs> <laughs> Way ahead of their time. Yeah, definitely yeah. topical for 1985. The threat of nuclear war. Those are all kind of covered in their lyrics. Government corruption, misuse of power. A lot of it still applies today. Mm-hmm. Police violence, the government dictatorships. The one that really stood out for me in more of a, we'll call it a poetic way, Hungry Child, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. I'll just read out some of the lyrics here. Looking for answers left the hungry child. Pushing your answers leave none desired. The hungry child worships spreading their cancer into unscarred brains, damaged and unoccupied, ready to train. The hungry child worships, powerfully twisting words he's resisting, God he's resisting, powerfully screaming, what is life's meaning? I mean, wow. <laughs> that's, you know, that's not just some like kid writing in a journal in his science class instead of doing his experiments. It's, that's some good poetry there. Kind of advanced lyricism. It's not sort of angry yelling without a lot of thought. There's real intention there behind uh, all the songs on here, really. Excellent, because uh, a lot of bands were doing really good stuff with their lyrics, but this is one step beyond. I also was stoked about Positive Outlook, which is a total Bad Brains PMA song. (laughs) That's exactly what I had in my notes, PMA. And uh, listening to their sound, and because they're an East Coast band, you can definitely hear the New York, Washington, D.C. hardcore influence. And yeah, I think songs like that, I think we talked about before when we were talking about Fugazi, lots of people write off punk and metal as being bleak and hopeless, whereas a song like this is telling you attitude is everything. And if you keep it positive, it's going to be positive. Totally. You need to have one of those songs amongst nine or ten songs of (laughs) nuclear war, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Or... uh anti-religious songs you got to have a little bit of pma in there yeah there's holier track number four and prayer are definitely i don't know if i would call them anti-christian but definitely questioning christian values sort of a retaliation against the televangelism that was big at that time they were sort of at their height of their empire my friend adam tibetalin writes for decibel And in 2011, they entered Animosity into its Hall of Fame, which every month they do a Hall of Fame induction. So I just want to read this out real quick. Quote, most crossover hardcore bands of the era were like the punk equivalent of Metallica, Exodus, Slayer, and Anthrax. While not necessarily fully embracing the trappings of metal, they found things they liked about it and simply incorporated them into their music. Corrosion of conformity were different. Though they were aware of those groundbreaking early 80s metal bands, Much of what constituted their metal influence came from the first generation of metal, specifically Black Sabbath. 
COC not only took, by their own admission, Sabbath's riffs and sped them up as a basis for some songs, they also incorporated sludgy, doomy breakdowns as wicked and heavy as anything that emanated from Iomi's Gibson SG. So, you know, I don't totally agree with that, but I think he's on the right track as far as sludgy and doomy. That was the scene. A lot of their buddies were in bands like I Hate God later on. So they were a predecessor to sludge and doom in some ways. Yeah. Consciously or unconsciously unifying the punk and metal scene. I mean, definitely here in Nelson, it's the same people. It's a little more divided in larger cities, but... Yeah, it's sort of songs for misfits. (laughs) They put out Technocracy after this, which is more of an EP, and they brought in Simon Bob Sinister from the Ugly Americans to do vocals. Total downgrade from Mike Dean. Mm -hmm. And then from there, they went to more of a metal sound with Blind and the albums that came after, which were almost more Southern rock metal. So it's interesting where they went with this, because they could have been one of the most intense punk hardcore bands crossover hardcore bands but they kind of went left field on it and i'm wondering whether this album was kind of a turning point for him as far as like we don't want to do this style as much anymore or whether it was a natural progression they definitely seem like they're on top of their game with this one i mean they sound like they're having a lot of fun maybe part of it is just their musicianship because again going from the first album which was sort of basic hardcore punk which i also love it's a great album but yeah. the jump since the first album, their musicianship just took a huge leap. So I think they sort of enjoyed not being painted into a corner. Yeah, for sure. And uh, exploring sort of all their different influences. Keenan, who came into the band later as a guitarist, and then at some point later, they've been doing stuff all along. He became almost the leader of the band. But he said that, quote, back in the hardcore days, when they put out Animosity, that record pretty much stumped a lot of people. I thought they were a really original band for what they were doing. They were open-minded into different types of music. So a look at how they were back then, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm um, being presumptuous, but I presume that would appeal to Pepper Keenan because he's more of a metal guy. He came into the fold in 89, according to my notes. Yeah, and played on Blind. Not to be too much of a segue, but when Blind came out, I was like, this is not the same COC that I know and love. I don't think you're wrong. It might have alienated a lot of fans, especially the ones from the first album that were like, well, they're hardcore punk. And then animosity came out and they're like well they're crossover and then now they're just metal hard rock and then they brought in sort of southern rock influences as well for a while they're kind of a hot commodity in 94 they were on relativity records and sony tried to buy out their contract and relativity refused so sony just bought relativity (laughs) i saw that yeah It's almost like Helmet getting a million dollars on their first uh, major label album. Mm-hmm. 
The cover art on the album is great. It's by Pusshead, who was infamous in the 80s and into the 90s, designing hardcore and punk album covers. He was in a band called Septic Death as well, which was really good, and was infamous later on for designing Metallica's tour shirts and stuff like that. But uh, the album's cover is pretty cool. It's definitely weird. I don't know exactly what he's trying to achieve there with it. It looks like a screaming man in a corner of a... How would I describe it? What do you think? It's got the COC famous skull on it, which is just such a punk emblem. Very collage-like and not as yeah. uh, clean as his stuff that he did with Metallica and other bands. Yeah, exactly. It's weird because there's like little pieces of paper that have dates on them with words. So there's one that says mad 1994, the 23rd anger, 12, 1983 work five, 1986. <laughs> it's a bit, uh, obscure little, uh, piece of art there, but it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, it being one of those ones that you pull out of the tape case and stare at and be stoked about how uh, scary it looks and what that might mean to my teenaged self. And again, another sort of tie into their metal counterparts. Skate punk was a huge thing in the 80s as well. And I think they fell under that a little bit, especially because they're on those skate rock compilations from Thrasher. But they did fit in with the whole skate rock, boneless ones, the faction in some ways. I mean, they definitely stood out a bit with that style as well, but they fit in with different scenes. Yeah, very uh, skater friendly band. For sure. I remember seeing uh, ads for their album in Thrasher. And yeah, as I said before, listening to them on the Ghetto Blaster, doing the little (laughs) mini ramp tricks. Yeah, stale fish grabs. Mm -hmm. So do you want to do some YouTube comments? Sure. All right. So a lot of these are reminiscing about seeing the band back in the day around when Animosity came out. David Rodriguez, three years ago, said, quote, Jackie Robinson, YMCA, San Diego with DRI. Anthrax was scheduled to play, but canceled. I remember a sign on the door saying, Anthrax canceled, sold out rock stars. Mike was awesome with dirty dreadlocks and spitting all over the ground. <laughs> he does look pretty gnarly in the, in the videos that I looked at on YouTube. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, this one's from Ace Furley three years ago. The high tops Mike Dean was wearing were the grossest things I ever saw, hands down. A homeless person in Frisco's Mission District would have taken a pass on them. It was then that I realized my dream of being a touring punk band wasn't going to be as romantic or lucrative as I'd imagined. Don't get into it for the money. This is from Carlos M. three years ago. I met some dude who claimed COC was his favorite band, but yet never heard this album before, WTF. When I let him borrow this, he said it sucked. <laughs> yeah, there I think his friend likes the more rock stuff of their later canon. And this is from Bear 7177 one year ago. Legendary. A skinhead landed on me and chipped my tooth at the farm in SF when they released this. I saw Pusshead enjoying the show before I nearly got knocked out. My parents were not happy about the chipped front tooth. Crossover was just starting in SF. The punks, skins, long hairs, and skaters were just beginning to blend at shows. It was epic. A true melting pot with plenty of gay folk blended in. The 80s SF scene was the best on earth. So a bit more about the SF scene there than about Rally and the band. But uh, mm-hmm. interesting, I guess the point there is they could really fit in with all those styles we talked about. Unifying the misfits. 
<laughs> totally. Not the band Misfits, but <laughs> yeah, the band definitely is still appeals to the younger generation, which is awesome. This is from Stro 187, two years ago. This album is the best homework music ever. I swear listening to this helps me get my work done so much faster. Less time to dick off when you're lost in the music, crunching numbers for math or writing an essay for English. <laughs> I approve. <laughs> yeah, it's always encouraging when the younger generations still listen to music like this, still scare their parents and authority figures. Mm -hmm. What are your final thoughts on the album, Animosity? A thrash classic, for sure. And I'm pleased to have it in my vinyl collection. I found it uh, a couple of years ago, and it was sort of one of those... Uh, golden final finds it's like oh, someone got rid of this <laughs> stimpy you idiot <laughs> but yeah i was so pleased to find it and it's one of those ones where you instantly pull it out of the bin and look around to make sure no one else is reaching for it <laughs> yeah they're still going so kudos to them apparently they're recording a new album they put out an album in 2012 with the same lineup so there was a lot of talk about that at the time. I, I listened to it quite a bit. It's not nearly as good as this. It doesn't have the same authenticity in my mind, but still quite good. Mm -hmm. It's just a self-titled album, 2012, Corrosion of Conformity. I guess the question here, and I want to pose this to you is, is this band truly a punk band? You know, we talk about what a punk band is. Of course, there's no real definition, but do you consider them to be punk band or more of a metal band, crossover band? I would say crossover band. Yeah, I think they're at the forefront of unifying punk and metal. Now, definitely now, I would say not a punk band. Your thoughts? They're a punk band only because it strikes me watching their videos and listening to the music, how odd and original they are, and, and especially with the lyrics. About how this thing's going to be fine, about getting your computer degree, microphone. So I'm going to tell you... This song is about what our fucking CIA and our government are trying to do in your name down in fucking Central America, which is overthrow any government they don't fucking like, whether the people brought it about or not. It's fucking called intervention. American dollars and weapons gleam support another corrupt regime. Human rights long out of style, another killing, another farce trial. Intervention. <laughs> Punk rock was always about that rah-rah, fist in the air, fuck you authority figures lyrics, and they definitely have that too. I hear what you're saying. Musically, I think you'd have a hard time really nailing them down as punk, but I think with the whole package, to me, they're a punk band. Mm -hmm. So the Scream Therapy website, which is ScreamTherapyHQ.com, has lots of episodes of this Flex Your Head podcast, including Nelson and I talking about Fugazi's 13 Songs record, which is fun one of my favorites. You can also find Scream Therapy podcasts, the main podcast about punk rock and mental health. I think there's about 50 plus episodes on there now. If you want to buy some merchandise, you can go to the Tee Public store. Again, go to the main website and you'll see a link to buy t-shirts and other stuff. Merch. I hate the word merch. <laughs> Always sounds so cheeseball. 
some news over here in the Scream Therapy world. The Scream Therapy book, Scream Therapy, A Punk Journey Through Mental Health, is going to be published. <laughs> Nelson's pumping his fist. On Mansfield Press out of Toronto. Information about all this stuff at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. So Nelson, thank you so much for doing this again. It was fun. I'm glad we talked about this album, and I'm glad that you suggested it. It's uh, one that I hadn't really thought of doing, but as soon as you said it, it was like, yes! Exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks for that. An album from our uh, mutual teenage years. Exactly. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> <laughs>